Welcome to Hot Breath Comedy Fam. On Monday, May 13th, I am teaching a clean comedy workshop. The last four I have taught sold out very quickly, so if you wanna learn about clean comedy, the business side, where the line is, how to write clean comedy, go to the link in the description of this episode, and we'll see you there. It feels like you're never doing enough, you know? Yeah. And then, like you said, someone can put up a clip and it flops, and then they think, oh, I'm not a good comic, it didn't work. Um, but they're actually like really funny and they do a great job. And then other comics are just really good at picking up the algorithm. And they're also funny, but it's just like a different mindset. So for us, as a festival, it's making sure that we work with people who like do have a large audience, but also we're like, hey, trust our insight. And like, we want to introduce you to some people that are really, really funny. And I still think that's super valuable. And a lot of comics, I feel like, hot breath. What's goody, Hot breath Verse? Welcome back to Hot Breath, the show where you learn comedy from the pros. I am your host, comedian Joel Byers. And after interviewing over 400 comedians on this show, we are doing our first ever Comedian Roundtable, live from Toronto in celebration of Just for Laughs Festival. The vision with this show is to start doing this in front of live audiences at comedy festivals. So if you think that's a dope idea, comment on this video with what festivals you want to see Hot Breath at, and we're going to pull up. But I am so excited for the comics and people that pulled up today. So let's introduce them one at a time, starting to my right here. Hot Breath alum, Ian Edwards. What's goody, fam? What's up, Ian Edwards? Uh, as he said, comic, good to be here. Second time on the podcast. And uh, I'm just going to throw it to the homie right here. Yeah, yeah, throw it. Ariane Thibault, I'm the programming manager at Just For Laughs, but I got my big break in comedy being a producer of low-key comedy show with my friend Paul here. Oh. Hi. <laughs> hey, low-key comedy show. The co-creator, co-created with Matt Reif during the pandemic. Also, I got my comedy special, shooting it in two weeks in Detroit, October 13th and 14th. It's called Detroit Player, Detroit House of Comedy, and I'm going to drop it sometime in December. This is in four weeks, right? It, it, wait, what happened again? No, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, y'all? I'm Eva Alexopoulos, creator of The Kickback, and this is what my third time on mm -hmm. the podcast. Third yeah. time on the podcast. Happy to be back. So, we're yeah, we're just going to talk comedy. This is going to be like, we're talking a lot of good comedy game. And the first thing that was top of mind for me with having people in front of the scenes and behind the scenes here is like, the current state of comedy. It's an interesting time right now. Comedy is booming bigger than ever. There's more arena acts than ever, but there's also open micers shooting crowd work clips with red cams in front of four people and going viral and then selling out clubs. So it's an interesting time in comedy and a lot of you have experience that a little longer than others, but I'd be interested to hear your opinions on the current state of comedy and maybe where you think it's headed. Uh, I'm not mad at none of it. Uh -huh. You know what I mean? Like somebody's gonna, you know, take the initiative to go out there and shoot some shit, and you know they're still gonna have to be funny or learn how to be funny at some point. So it, it has to balance itself out. But sometimes you can't rely on the honesty of the comedy industry to put people where they need to be. So and with the world's change, man, you just can't be like you know, old fashioned, like you didn't wait to do this podcast, you 400 comics in, mm -hmm. you didn't like wait for somebody to like, give you the stamp of approval to do this. So I'm like, fuck it. You like it? Yeah, I'm yes. for it. Yeah, man, some like sink or swim mentality, you know, like if you don't do it on your own, then you're just gonna get washed. 
Mm-hmm. So it's like, do it on your own. It's like, yeah, if you're shooting a crowd work clip and it's funny and people are paying tickets to see you and you suck, that's okay too. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like not like the book doesn't have to end so prematurely, you know? Maybe for some people after that happens, they quit, but <laughs> <laughs> good. <laughs> this is like the last round table podcast you do. <laughs> he goes back to an individual. <laughs> no, nah, man, but I think it's cool, man. It's fun to experiment and throw paint on the canvas, you know? Mm-hmm. Like I never understood why paintings that just have random paint blobs are worth so much money. But then I'm starting to like understand how it could be worth money, you know? Yeah, that's a good way. Like this, like those abstract paintings of some of these like early sets from people. Yeah, it's like you know, it's what, like when you are when you're a director and you're making a movie, it's like you have to make a good movie the first time out. But with comedy, you could just show people the process, and then you can have a terrible clip, and then five years later have a great clip, and people can see the growth. So yeah. Mm-hmm. I always find a lot of it also has to do with like ego and what you're willing to do. Like the world is always going to change. Marketing and business is always going to keep evolving. And I've I've seen a lot of the people that I know that kind of struggle with the whole like posting clips thing or I want to keep this joke a secret or someone's going to steal it or it's going to be retired. It's like, well, there's someone younger than you, less experienced than you that is posting at triple the rate and just based on the algorithm, it's getting picked up so you can jump on the bandwagon or you cannot jump on the bandwagon but i don't know i i kind of agree with you and i don't think there's an issue with it at all i just think it's more of a you thing like if you're feeling a type of way about it you should probably start posting and mm-hmm. that's kind of that's kind of how i see it Dude, what about from the industry perspective because i mean there's like a lot of young comics who may not have the time to back up a viral clip but where what's the balance for someone that like is a part of a big festival like jfl well i think to them to, to Ian's point, we're in an interesting time because, you know, there's never been more ways to put yourself on the map. But at the same time, it's really overwhelming because if you it feels like you're never doing enough, you know. Yeah. And then, like you said, someone can put up a clip and it flops and then they think, oh, I'm not a good comic. It didn't work. Um, but they're actually like really funny and they do a great job. And then other comics are just really good at picking up the algorithm. And they're also funny, but it's just like a different mindset. So for us. As a festival, it's making sure that we work with people who like do have a large audience, but also we're like, hey, trust our insight. And like, we want to introduce you to some people that are really, really funny. And I still think that's super valuable. And a lot of comics, I feel like they see their clips compared to someone else and then they just kind of say, oh no, like, but I think it's, there's so much more to it. And like you said, like someone can be like a really niche kind of comedy and do really well in a festival and whatnot. So I think it's, it's a really interesting time that we're in, but also it is a lot of pressure for, for comics, whatnot. So being able to work within a festival capacity, it makes space like for everybody. So I think that's, it's do you think cool. you wow. sh- like, as a, what? You- it's, it's just amazing how her French accent just went away. <laughs> <laughs> she was on her outside. How the well, fuck did she do that? Well, when I met her did you see the how show, she introduced herself thing, and then on the show, it was like in the beginning of the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. And then- how do you, cause I can't say my name. Wrong. So your name? It's Ariane. You want me to say Ariane? You want me to say Croissant? No, no, no. I'm not. (laughs) First of all, it was a compliment. I said it's amazing. (laughs) I don't know if they 
compliment people in Montreal. <laughs> yeah, but I was like, it's amazing how her French accent went away compared to how you introduce yourself. I, I can't do shit. So. Yeah. I mean, she yeah. challenged me to a duel earlier. <laughs> like, she, she'd take wow. off a glove and slap you with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> impressive, impressive. Thank you. Respect. 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 Yeah. Respect. Yeah. Bruh, bruh. Yeah. <laughs> so she has a white voice as well. Yeah. Yeah. We can all code switch we, here. We, we yeah. all have that. What, what is, wait, what's, the, what's the word for that? Uh, in French? Yeah, I can't even find the word in English. <laughs> yeah. Fuck it, fuck it. Let's keep, keep going. Keep going. That's so funny. But do you guys think there's young, like, when should comics start posting? Like, is it ever too soon? Do you think they should, like, get at least, like, a few years in and get proficient? Or, like, it's just Wild West. Whatever. I mean, they're not going to listen anyway. Yes. Okay. <laughs> That's true. It's yeah. like, you could say any advice and people are like, nah, I'm just going to do my thing. So it's just like, you know. Like I, I personally, like I'm at the point in my career where I don't want to put out some things unless they're like heaters. Cause I put out things that people did like, and people have commented on and said that they really appreciate it and shared. And these are people that I respect their taste. So I'm like, cool. Well, I want to put out more good stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to upload a vine I did a few years ago and be like, Hey, here's this video just to post. But there's also people that are about uh, quantity and they're posting every day. And some things like not as hilarious as others, but they're like, bro, this is my canvas. It's fine. I'll throw a dud out there every now and then. And it's, it's okay. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes these duds blow up and they may not speak for their sensibilities. So it's like, you know, I think people should just post whenever they feel like it. Yeah. Just let the yeah. algorithm tell yeah. them that it sucks. This is what I learned from all my years of experiencing comedy that I can't call it. Like I've given some of the best comics in comedy, some of the biggest comics, the worst advice. <laughs> <laughs> and if they had listened to me, if Kevin Hart had listened to me years ago, you'd have never heard of Kevin Hart. <laughs> and, that's a, and I, I don't know. That's a, and I told him the opposite of, of exactly what he did. <laughs> you serious? And he's, I'm dead up, bro. What'd you tell him? Because he had a TV show. I wrote on it. He was a great, when he used to do auditions, he used to run them by me. And I was like, this guy is going to book a bunch of auditions. But he wanted to go on the road and make less money to build up his road career. And I was like, why would you want to go out of town where you could stay in town? You'll probably get on another TV show. And once you get on a TV show, you'll blow up that way. But he didn't want to do that. He went on the road. He ended up on the Shaq All-Star Comedy Jam. And the, the clip that he did on that blew up. And he blew up on the road. And then he got the more TVs and movies. So it's like, you, you can't listen to me. <laughs> He's like, I like to not think either. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so it's like, when Paul's like, just post whenever, you know, and you, they're not going to listen anyway, just do you. Yeah. You know? yeah. Mm -hmm. Also, like, so before I was in comedy, I worked in marketing for 10 years and I had an influencer agency. So a lot of comics like ask me, what works? What should I be posting? What should I be doing? And I think a lot of people who never tried to build a following, like agents, managers, or even bookers will be like, just post. And if you've never done it, you have no idea what you're talking about. So that's, that's, it's really hard. Like it's a full-time job. So I always tell comics, like figure out what's the one way of doing it that feels natural to you. That doesn't mm -hmm. feel like something you dread. So sometimes it's tweeting or Xing or whatever it's called now. <laughs> but like, if you're a good a writer and that's how you like to do your thing and you want to post that, then that could be good. If it's more podcast clip that you're comfortable, if you're the kind of guy who wakes up and he's like, hey guys, welcome to my channel, and that makes you comfortable, but find a thing that you're comfortable doing that you feel like you can do consistently without 
hating your life completely mm -hmm. and actually enjoy yourself. And that's going to be the one for you versus always comparing yourself to what everybody else is doing. Like I think with Loki and with yours, you figured out, okay, like I really like filming bits of my comedy and posting versus someone else going to be in his car every morning and say, this is my thought of the day. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be his thing, you know? So I think it's, it's really about figuring out what you're comfortable doing and sticking to that. But it could be a lot when people are giving you the advice to post, post, post. And if look, if they've never tried in any way to build a social media following, like don't listen to that, I would mm -hmm. say, you know? Smart. And do something that like, to your point, if, if you're not somebody who is someone who holds the camera up is like, hey, what's up? And you know in your heart that's not you, like your audience is gonna sense it as well. They're gonna kind of feel it through the camera, so. Shit, post with your back to the camera. Hey y'all, how y'all doing? You know, this is me again. Welcome back. Do whatever. Let's point it at the sky. Just you know, just do whatever makes you feel comfortable. Somebody else might be able to identify with it, you know? Yeah, or as a team, because like you and Paul have done like skits together and things. So mm -hmm. maybe not like a solo hustle on this. Yeah, yeah. Also. Combine with somebody, collab. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's the word, right? Collab? Yeah, collab. Yeah. Ian's showing his age there. Yeah. Collab? Yeah, we used to combine, baby, back in my day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there is an interesting part of, like, developing as a comedian, but also just trying to develop a following and, like, mm -hmm. trying to stay relevant and, like, be good at comedy, but then also this whole other side of the game. We're trying to fuse the two. Well, like, the same way somebody can blow up that way, it's also extra work. So you have to give the person who's posting credit for extra work. Like when I started, there was no social media. So mm -hmm. you just had, you, if you had time, you just worked on your standup. Now you have to work on both and not just work on it. Like write the offstage shit that you're going to post, edit it, shoot it and post it and then work on your standup. So some people might get upset that some people are blowing up, but they also are doing the extra work to blow up. So it's not just like this free pass online pass everybody it's not the the vip pass at disneyland you're getting to right. get on just get to the front of the line you're still you're still doing something yeah i think yeah especially with like how matt rife has blown up i feel like some people are like oh yeah he's been grinding this for over 10 years and mm -hmm. he's earned all of this and other people are like oh he has a super strong jawline and that's why he like blew up yeah, you know both things are true yeah <laughs> Both can exist. Yeah. It yeah. is a nice job. Yeah. Like, why waste it being a, a non-comic? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You just found the right angle of the clip at one point where you both see the job. Yeah. <laughs> but I know, Paul, you like started with him. So like, what what have you, what has it been like? And he's producing your new special that yeah. you're filming in October. So like, what has it been like seeing that rise? What have you like learned from seeing that from the beginning? Um, hard work pays off really. I mean, mm -hmm. cause like for so long and like, and Ian knows this too, like, you know, Ian was doing a lot of our shows and when we started during the pandemic and, you know, we would sell out these shows and I guess it was a part of us that felt like, all right, we're the only show in town in the entertainment capital of the world. Yeah. No one else is doing shows, live shows. And then more shows started to like blossom from that. And, you know, people would always give us that credit. Like y'all were the first ones to do a live show in LA. And it's like, when no one was doing shit, we felt like the score was zero, zero finally. Cause it, it was always like the stat, odds were stacked against us. And it's like, when everything was a clean slate, it's like, it basically became a push-up contest. 
It's like, let's see who could do the most push-ups, and that person's going to win. Mm -hmm. And we were always like waiting for that because like we were always behind in the race because it was just, at least that's what it felt like in a lot of ways, where it's like a lot of the clubs didn't really show us a whole lot of love. You know, Matt and I were also producing our own shows and doing our own thing. Like we weren't like welcomed into the industry. Like people are like, Matt, your jaw. <laughs> yeah, he didn't just get the jawline. He's been <laughs> He, he been had a job. He was still not broken. He been shit. been broke with that jawline for a minute. So. Yeah, he broke he with the jaw. Ramen with that jaw. Yeah, yeah. he didn't so, get a, a jaw job <laughs> over the pandemic and just pop out of nowhere. Yeah, it's like you know what's gonna help the show. Yeah. Yeah. Jaws are size. That's, yeah, yeah. that's what people should do now instead of getting a new nose. Like, why is nose jobs more popular than jaw jobs? I don't know. Yeah. He's about to start a trend. It's about yeah. yeah. Sell some gua sha. Yeah, there's a lot. Of <laughs> What's guasha? It's this thing you use, women you or men use too, but you, it's like a daily exercise oh, for but your the, face. Oh, it's a roller. The Jane snatched. Oh, yeah. where it becomes snatched. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Comics now are all fine as hell. Like, <laughs> so where are you from? <laughs> That's cool. Right, life guasha. We're so <laughs> we selling merch after the show. Yeah. It's gonna be guasha. Yeah. That's what man, life should be selling after the yeah. show. <laughs> But it was wild because it was just like, you know, like what I always tell Matt, I'm like, people are like, oh, this guy blew up out of nowhere. And it's like, man, he been cute. <laughs> he been all the things that have the cachet that make Matt. Like it's a cocktail of things. It's funny. Mm -hmm. He's impeccable on his feet. He's very witty and he's attractive and he worked hard and he already had credits before. And he, he Why do you sound clothes. like his black girlfriend? Bro? <laughs> <laughs> and he did that. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, why am I talking like that? And he's nails. And he's nails. I'm like, first of all, this is perfect. I start with the smallest finger. You know, and it's like, so it's honestly, it's really cool to see because it. I, I I said this in this interview we did. It, it feels like we were gaslit for a while, mm -hmm. you know, where it was just like, we were working so hard and like people would just like walk past us after shows or like when we did our first show, which is unrealistic. We sort of expected, we're like, man, HBO, I'll give us a deal. We did the first attempt to do this thing. Ain't no one do this. It's like, let's wait for this check, you know? And it's just like, and then nothing happens. And then it's just like, and we were comfortable. Like, we're just going to keep going until something happens. And then it happened. Yeah. You know, low key. And now it's at JFL and your show kickbacks at JFL. Yeah, we had it this summer. It was awesome. That's so cool. It's weird. It's kind of like parallel universes. And Ariane was like at the center of it it's so cool. this entire oh, time. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. She we met because she came to my show like two years ago in April. Yeah, it was really cool because I left when I left Montreal, the comedy scene in Montreal wasn't it, it was a rough time. Like there was a few clubs, but I don't think there were as many comedy fans. So it was hard to get fans into the shows. And basically I went to LA and then I met Paul and then we started producing these shows at the comedy store. And then I had to come back to Montreal. Uh, and then I had the opportunity to go to a kickback and it was in this abandoned movie theater. And how many people did you have in there? Like 500. 500. And she had like a DJ and people were... Oh, so, so you. <laughs> so I was like, when's a comedy going to start? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shut down. But, but it, was, it was so, what I, like, what I love about Montreal, I often find I don't see in our Just for Laughs or touristy events and things like that because it's so unique to our DNA that it's really hard to get it outside. And when I went to the kickback, I was like, 
oh, this is what Montreal represents to me. Like Boom. the lineup was really fun. Yeah. Eva was such a wonderful host. Like me. it was such a cool show. And, and it inspired me too. Like I came back and I spoke to Eva and I came back with, and I was like saying, oh, this is the kind of stuff they're doing. You know, of course, we, he already had a, a beat maker, but then we kept adding things to make sure that people would like come to the show, but also like talk about it. And, and, and it was yeah. really interesting to just have these brainstorming sessions that would kind of make the shows work together. And then Eva ended up coming to, when did we first booked Loki at the Just For Last Festival, I was a producer and Eva opened the show. So it was like all the world oh, like colliding awesome. yeah, and, awesome. and her people who love the kickback also love Loki. It's, it's yeah. a very different show, but it, it like kind of hit the spot. So it was, yeah, it all kind of came together. And now we're all here. So cool. Which is kind of crazy when you think about it, because like everything that's good starts from just wanting to do something good. Like you guys wanted to build something for the community and give people a space. Montreal didn't really have an English community scene, no. period. We have a very strong French scene. Why, why is that? Let's tell us, um, tell us about the. Uh, <laughs> I got what's it. What's the tea? We have we have very strong two cultures in our city, right? We mm -hmm. have the French and then we have the English. Mm -hmm. And on the French side, naturally, the government is going to push a lot of the French art. So on the French scene, you can make a lot of money. There's mm -hmm. a ton of clubs, productions. We, yeah. we have our own star system in Quebec, which is really interesting. Where like a lot of French Canadians only consume French Canadian content. content. So like snobs, influencers mm. <laughs> oui. in Quebec make more money than influencers in LA because there's like ten of them who get all the contracts versus yeah. so many of them. And the same thing happens in in comedy where people can make a really really good living when they're just like one year, two years into comedy. Yeah. So it's really and and the English side, like you have to have a lot of grit. You have to, if you want opportunities in English, you have to create it yourself. And uh, my boyfriend and I at the time, it was like right before things got really messy in Canada. Like we were still allowed messy to Messy with the pandemic or between you and him? <laughs> yeah, now yeah. it's always. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of messy? <laughs> <laughs> His pastor father's watching another YouTube podcast of mine. I'm going to get in trouble again. Um, but, you know, we were kind of like sitting around. There's a lot of open mics and there's a lot of this, but there's also kind of a weird system where it's like, if you don't do a Monday, then you're not going to get a Tuesday. And if you, and there's only three little clubs in the city on the English mm -hmm. side. So we were like, what you know, what if we just meshed music and comedy together, which is Montreal is the festival city. It's, mm -hmm. there's a different festival every week happening there. So we just wanted to kind of create a space where people can chill because it's hard enough to get any fandom on the English side in Montreal. Like it's hard for people to really love somebody and like freak out unless it's Drake and that's Toronto, but we don't really have that. So we wanted to kind of create something a little different where it was a vibe and you were coming for the vibe and you can kind of trust that we'd introduce you to some good people. But we never thought it would blow up the way it did. It was supposed to be like a one-off. And... So you, you've helped several shows get involved in Just For Laughs. Like, what do you look for with a comedian or a show or like this? How could we get this at Just For Laughs? You know, like what, what can a comedian do to like get more involved in like festivals in general? Um, Don't worry, I got this. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to bring up politics again. It's like, well, you're too white, Joel. That's the problem. We need diversity. Yeah. Well, you know what's interesting? Because we were talking about the clips earlier. And, you know, I have like, I'm a big comedy fan. I've been a comedy fan for like the last 20 years. Like I'll listen to different interviews. I just like love it. But then I try to always see it from a perspective of like, people who like watch comedy sometimes and like who come to the festival and kind of get in their brain. And often like my friends, I'm like, what tickets are you interested? What do you buy? And we're talking about the clips earlier. It's interesting how the algorithm now, people don't decide with their own brain what they like. 
they they see a lot of likes and love and they decide this is popular therefore i like like i don't think it's on purpose but there's definitely something there in yeah. your subconscious mm -hmm. so i think as someone who works for the festival my goal and i tell my friends i'm like go see some other shows like we have the off jfl festival that's like we want to introduce you to something cool and also that 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 versus going to a stadium and seeing a show which is cool going to like a smaller venue that's intimate and you get to see some riffing and something you get to experience something really unique that you won't experience el elsewhere so i'd say my focus has really been on trying to find these shows or trying to see okay do we need to produce shows like this like what i thought was so special about low-key is that when i start first got to la i would just go to comedy shows all the time like i was traveling alone for like two years and i thought it was the best way that you could go somewhere and kind of be comfortable and get to know the city and you know if you're always going to shows you see a lot of the comics do the same sets mm -hmm. often but then you go to a show like low key and you get to see them in a whole different universe you know okay. and even at the festival here like Gavin Matt's a great example of a like really great writer, great set solo show. And then he comes on low key and we just saw a whole other side of his personality. And you just feel like you're making it, you're experiencing something really special, but also making an intimate connection with that comedian. So I guess to answer your question, like I, I look for things that I want the fans to discover, mm -hmm. but that also are going to do well within the festival large picture that we have a little bit of everything. And uh, yeah. Hope that answers the question. <laughs> so something that's interesting and unique, but that can also sell tickets. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. No, exactly. Well, yeah, yeah. So it could be either something that that's like low key that we utilize who already is in the city and then trying to put them in a different context um, or something that feels really special and unique that we know how we're going to sell it to, to people. Because, of course, we want them to be interested. But sometimes you have to, for instance, in Montreal, we had this show called Stamptown that after the first night, everybody came and they, they told everybody about it. And then it kept feeling more and more every night. But the first night, no one had ever heard about it. Like no one really like not that they didn't care, but they weren't like, oh, I got to go see this show. But then from the word of mouth, it really built. And, and that's the magic, I think, of the festival, really. Oh, man, beautiful. man yeah. you speak show business really well. No wonder you, you run the festival. Yeah. <laughs> 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 well, well, you know what's funny to think about, like, like the show Hot Ones. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's such a unique format, and it's so simple. It's like you're eating wings and you're being interviewed, and it's like part of the cachet. Is like as it goes on, you want to see how hot it gets, and it will keep people watching. As an example, mm -hmm. and like I, I think that's like such a simple, cool format. So it's like, I think there's more formats to be discovered, but it's like, and I think it's fine with trial and error. Like I went to one show, and they were like guess what drug they're on <laughs> and then the comic does stand up and they're like all right after they said so so what do you guys what do you guys think's happening and one guy's like is he is he is he drunk they're like yeah he's drunk and then they're like all right let's go to the next comedian i kind of <laughs> find that really funny <laughs> i'm like there's something there <laughs> yeah you know what i mean so it's just like you know and i'm not saying like ideas are like you know i wouldn't discourage it but it's like I think the germ of like people want to create more unique shows mm -hmm. that's happening now. Yeah. You know, like a yeah. lot of people are trying to create their own unique experience where it's like incorporating comedy and insert another thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. interview, insert another thing. So it's like this hybrid style. And I think people want to see that now. And I think with the rise of the internet, people want to see like a mixture of things. It's like yeah. a, it's like an idea cocktail. Yeah. You Man, know? I'm learning so much. Do you, <laughs> do you guys think that might be because um, we're just always being targeted with content constantly, 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 or different types of comedy shows 
that now people are kind of craving novelty and that's what's pushing people to create these different types of comedy experiences? Um, well, I think, you know, like think of like back in the days, like we'd all like watch the same show at the same time. Like who's the star now? That's Kevin Hart. He was on TV. Mm. Like I think now there's a very widespread of interest. So that that's why it is a little harder to, because you're, you're trying, okay, what are people excited about? And people who are excited about like reggaeton, would they be interested in comedy? And then you, you try to see where that all comes together because I think now people have such a wide span of different interests that yeah. they have. So it's like, yeah, I think that that's what makes it really interesting because now you can create some really niche shows that appeal to a small community, but do extremely well within mm -hmm. this. Like Patty Harrison, who we had at the festival this year, is like a really good example of something that's really out there. Before we'd have like, we call like alternative comedy. That mm -hmm. doesn't really exist anymore. Yeah. Like it's really, you know, whatever you want to be doing, but there's people that are able to create something that's very unique to them and then do really well, mm -hmm. where I think that before it would have been a lot harder if it's not something that everybody understands, mm -hmm. you know? Do you guys think it has to do something with like a sales point? It's like a differentiator? In terms of like when you're producing a show for the first time in a city that's as diluted as New York yeah. or LA, do you feel like with low key, what made you guys bring in the truck? And do you think that the truck is what really made a difference in the experience of the yeah, audience Paul. when we came in? <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it was definitely a huge part of the identity of the show because it created this like feel and vibe where mm -hmm. it's like three people sitting on a truck having a conversation and it's hilarious. It also has this homey feel to it. So I think that was our, you know, that was our chicken wing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Ours was the free shot. Yeah. It was a free shot. And for some reason that was enough for people to be like, that's cool. I like free shots and comedy. Mm -hmm. And it sounds stupid when you think of it and you just put it out. Like I'll just buy everybody in the crowd a shot and then everyone will take a shot together and it'll create just like a nice icebreaker vibe, but that's ended up carrying the entire show for the past three years of this like ceremony where everyone cheers and like, you'd be surprised the little things that kind of make Is that at the beginning of the show? Or? Yeah. That's awesome. I think, but it's not just a shot. I think it's the mm. common experience, you know? Yeah. Like I think yeah, yeah, now yeah. with social media and stuff, people want to be a part of something. Mm -hmm. So that's why when you have those unique elements to something, they, they want to brag that they were there, that they were a part of it more so than just like, catching a comedian and then telling their friends they want to be within the experience, I think. Yeah, what do you guys think is, so like that, that's, that brings up an interesting point of like trying to create unique content. Cause now it's like every comedian has a comedy special. Everyone can like post it on YouTube. So like, what is the next, what do you guys think is the next? And like Ian with your special, like you, you did it more like a Ted talk. So you were looking to kind of play with the format as well. Right. So like, what do you guys think is next of like, all right, everyone can create a special now. Everyone can post crowd work clips. Like how can comedians start to separate themselves again from just everyone can do the same thing? Bro, if I knew that, <clears throat> I'd be on a G5. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Blowing with, off this with interview. Me, with me, with me. I'm still opening for people. So. <laughs> it's just an interesting time of like, there is a lot of saturation of this. It's one probably going to involve AI. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, why not? Mm -hmm. Even last night in the low-key audience, there was an IT person. Oh, yeah. And we asked them, like, how's IT going? And she's like, not good. And she said, what? I said, why? And she's like, like, people are getting laid off in IT because of AI. So yeah, I, I have a feeling like there's a way you can use AI to generate more comedy clips and push 
your 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 profile online, but I just I I haven't figured it out yet, but somebody will. Mm-hmm. And also with with like AI and speaking of like comedy specials, I almost feel like people are going to start doing more themed specials. It's like you're going to have like a certain topic and you're just going to hammer on this. And I think I heard there was a, I won't like blow up a spot, but like a comedian at the mothership was running his new hour and it was all based on like one topic. And it was like a very like famous comedian. So I feel like that maybe the trend is starting to be like, okay, instead of just a bunch of joke, 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 jokes, what is like my story? What is the arc of this one theme that I want to do? I could see it going in that way as well. So people get to I feel know like people have been more. doing that though. Like uh, Eddie Izzard, true, used to. I forgot the name of the special, but it was about like history of the world or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I saw it, and it was just like, like a like whatever his version of the history of the world from one point to a certain point. So you know, comics have done that, but you just have to pick a topic or a theme that can. If you can resonate with like a majority of people or a good niche, then you're good. You know? I, I'm curious, what do you guys think about like the crowd work specials? Do you think that people are gonna keep doing that? Or is is that kind of the people are talking about doing? I don't know. I feel like it everybody so well. else it works well. I think it gets people in the door and then they fall in love with the acts a lot. Like I, I look at a lot of this thing from like a marketing social media mm-hmm. brain a little bit of like as a consumer. I see a good riff. I don't assume like the whole show is riff, but some people really loved being ripped apart at comedy shows. Right. They purposely go for it and they're not being rude or anything, but they really love it. And if the audience is there, like there can be just as many crowd work specials I think are great. Like people, I've seen people, especially in Alberta, they love to just sit down and just get roasted wow. for yeah. a full hour. And it's like you were saying in your English accent. <laughs> <laughs> in your perfect English accent. About maybe he, she's AI. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, oh my god! Listen, I, I'm not saying she's not. <laughs> Watching him discover bilingualism is the yeah, best yeah. thing I've ever seen. But you were talking about people like want a sense of community and want to be involved and like being involved in a clip and, and that's a part of like with Matt. Like I feel like some women go to the show to get his attention first to like get his attention, but then when they see that he posts the clips and they're involved. That makes more people want to go get go there, get involved, get a good seat. And he's not he's never like disrespecting them. And no. it's all good fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like what I've seen people go on Jerry Springer to ruin their lives. <laughs> so why wouldn't you go on and and be in a comedy clip yeah, that creates joy for everybody? Well, even like Rose Battle, I remember years ago before the like comedy clip, um, Jeff would like in the beginning of the show have anyone from the audience come and line up and he'd be like, you're ugly, your shirt, da 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 da. And people just, it was like, I've never been so embarrassed, but this is the best time of my life. Mm-hmm. Like it's not, that part isn't new, but I think for a while people were scared of getting roasted because they were became like a little bit more sensitive. So then they didn't want to go to comedy shows anymore. Like I have friends who like, don't sit me in the front. They're going to like, mm-hmm. they panic. And now there's like a new type of crowd work that's not like, you're not going to cry. They're just going to speak with you and do jokes. But I think we're, crowd work maybe is, is just changing. It's funny how, based on what you're saying, like the world is getting more sensitive and thick-skinned at the same time. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah that's what I was thinking. That's, how that and that's yeah. a weird yeah. thing because yeah. you would think it would just be one way or the other. But there's, uh, but I guess that's how the world is. There's people that's 
thick skinned and then there's people who are sensitive and can't take a joke. But then there's always going to be the people that love a good joke on them. Mm-hmm. You know? Like they know what they're walking into and they do it, even if it, some of the views might conflict. They're like, I know I'm walking into the show. I know I'm going to be made fun of, but I'm going to have a really good time and wash it off. Opposed to sometimes they'll go to a comedy show and then just get purely shit on and they leave being like, that's not what I wanted. This yeah, <laughs> that's not what it, these are free tickets. I don't know why this <laughs> They paid me to be here. <laughs> yeah, some people will walk into a comedy show, I can't believe he made me laugh. I'm gonna report this. <laughs> this is not the stand-up poetry slam I thought it was gonna be. Ruined my sadness. It's <laughs> the worst birthday I've ever had. <laughs> I guess that is parallel with like, yeah, cancel culture and how comedians can get, comedians seem to be at the forefront of like, oh, they said a joke and it's offensive or whatever. But like, are you guys even seeing that in the industry as a whole? Is that even like, has that really even been an issue or is that more of just like headlines blown out of proportion? I feel like everybody's at the forefront. Everybody's a target. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, in whatever field, like, you know, it's it's just that we're comics and we can talk. So we're definitely like, one of the people on in in the target but there's other groups and people in target of like you know people just are just waiting by the keyboard for a slip up you know to yeah. put so that they can get on mm-hmm. to be uh, the first yeah. person to call that person out mm-hmm. yeah it's definitely a scary thing though to like think about like even like 10 years in the future you're like i better not say something stupid right now because right. in 10 years <laughs> it's gonna bite me in the ass and somebody's gonna try to cancel me or something it's like well i'm interested just to jump back on a little bit because you're about to record a special what are you and every comedian's giving away specials for free now so i feel like also comedians may start to sell them i think like i self-produced one three years ago and always sold it on my website and that was just what i did and now it's like merch i can sell at shows and stuff so how are you now that you're about to film a special how are you looking at okay this is what has been working but how can i stay ahead of the wave again i'm gonna self-release it Mm -hmm. and i'm gonna put on this app called mint comedy so okay. Mint Comedy, they're they're great. They stream shows live at the cellar three nights a week. They also do shows at the comedy store. And they also want they also offered me one hundred percent of whatever is purchased. Wow. Oh, nice. You know? And it's like they made that very clear that they want to support the artists. You know, and this is the this I think is the future, you know? And it's like they were very welcoming to me, very open to me. They really wanted me to succeed. You know, they're also a sponsor in my special. So uh, these are the type of people that I want to work with, you know? And it's like, also, I'm talking about a lot of serious subjects. I'm talking about my mom. I'm talking about my family. And I want to be able to own that. I don't want to just give it away to streaming service and they own my mom's story, you know? So it was a part of that. Some sensitivities about that as well. So, yeah, I'm just doing this self-release route, man. I think that's the future, you know? It's like, mm-hmm. if you have a large enough audience, even if you don't, just... I think that's the move. I, I, I'm i not blinded by I want to be with Netflix. Or I want to be with HBO or some of these streaming services, which, you know, eventually if I do do business with them, awesome. But for this specific special, my first one out the gate, this is what I decided to do. So sell it instead of putting it on YouTube. Yeah, I'm not so, going to do it on YouTube. Yeah, interesting. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm just interested to see where people are thinking of. Is, is Mint a do. website or is it on YouTube? Mint's a website. Mid comedy, yeah, 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 because they they live streamed into movie theaters recently. I think, yeah, I think yeah, they did a live thing from the cellar, and they streamed it into like a bunch of movie theaters. Oh, I'm, yeah, they're starting to like you know. So they're and this is created by someone who's worked very close in comedy for a while. You know, he was uh, 
um, manager with, uh, he's Dave Chappelle's manager for years. Now he manages Mo Amer. Then he opened up Mint Comedy. Wow. And so, you know, this guy is, you know, someone I really trust and love and they're looking after artists first, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I just did a video essay on JFL and kind of tracked the story to how they got to where they are now. And with Howie Mandel taking over a big thing I've heard him talk about is like the digital footprint of JFL and staying relevant and trying to be more in the zeitgeist beyond just like the few weeks the festival happens. So like, what are, what are you guys trying to do as like comedians are trying to figure out social media? What is the festival trying to do to kind of keep up as well? Uh, I think the first thing we're trying to do is definitely around new faces. So obviously that's mm -hmm. something that Just for Laughs has been doing for years, which in the comedy community, obviously, everyone knows about it. It's such a big deal and people showcase all over the world to be part of new faces, but the fans didn't really know about it. So that's kind of our, our, our first step in that direction. We really want to like own that online and make sure that people discover talent through this amazing project that we have. And uh, otherwise there's different things that we're, we're looking at. Like for instance, low key, um, we filmed it together in Vancouver with cool. just for laughs like we're trying to figure out what's the best way of of going about it but i think it you know things are always changing like every 10 years and i think if you think of like how we used to watch shows on television and then there was a while where we stopped paying for it and then we just like find them so those shows like i always think of like how to make it in america should have been like six seasons but since we're all streaming it for free they canceled it and then we started getting so much content for free online but now we people are willing to pay for a streamer, for Spotify, and for this. And now I think it's going to shift again. So some people are posting um, their their specials for free on YouTube, but then the true fans are like, no, I'm willing to pay just to, to see Paul's special and can, or subscribe to his Instagram or OnlyFans or whatever platform Ooh. people choose to monetize because people yeah. do want to support. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just like about adapting to what's happening and where your community and fans live pretty much. Beautiful. Okay. Yeah. Well... Speaking, speaking of community, um, did have a few questions posted in our Facebook group um, from comedians all over the world, our members in this group. And um, one of the questions that came up was from Michelle Van Dusen, who asked, uh, was there a time you wanted to quit comedy and what kept you moving forward? Why did you look at me? <laughs> well, you're the oldest, so I wow. thought the wow. eldest, yeah. Yeah, wow. <laughs> Bet you wouldn't say that to a woman. <laughs> Never ask her. You're the oldest. I'm going to ask her. the richest person. You're the one with gray hair here. I don't know what the... <laughs> I mean, not really. Yeah. I mean, there was a moment when I did kind of slow down for like five years, but I was writing and I was like thinking more of like getting into directing, but it was always in show business. And I knew I wasn't in love with it as much as my other friends who were doing like living in New York City and doing four or five sets a night. But now I was just like, let me start back doing like one set a night and be in love with that until it grew into like the three, four set a night thing again. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But I mean, you just it's just like anything else. You're in a relationship with somebody, you might be in more in love with them at one point than another point and then get back into it with you know with them and it's just you just got to go with the vibe you know you can't like force it it just drive you crazy it's fine it's fine if you're not in an, in love with it the way you were before it just relax 
and it should come back. If it doesn't come back, then you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing and find the thing that you're in love with. It's all right. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. did hmm? I, did, did? I did quit. I did. I did quit at one point. I um, My mom um, was a very like heavy drug addict around the time I was 25. She nah, was heavily addicted off. to... <laughs> <laughs> it's one of yeah. Oh, we're fine. <laughs> we're, we're fine. <laughs> we're totally fine. No, but she, um, she, she had... She had a bad back surgery in 2008 that went wrong. And then they were giving her like oxy, like it was nobody's business. So up until the age of 25, I was doing comedy and it was going great. And I was able to get to like Gotham Comedy Club. Granted, I still had to bring 10 people when I got there. (laughs) I wasn't, wasn't yeah, only to, they were like, you can get three minutes if you bring 10 people. And I had to call all my cousins in the story. I'd be like, please pull up. Um, But it got to a point where like comedy was going great and I was super happy. But my life at home was absolutely just, this couldn't be what life for a 25-year-old looked like. So I was like, if comedy is meant to come back to me, mm-hmm. it will. And I went and I worked at a resort in the Dominican Republic for four years as their marketing manager. And I, where I created all the content and there was always a party and we had to party with the guests and do all that. And then COVID hit and I came back and that job ended up being the inspiration for the kickback. To- so you learned so much about marketing. Yeah, we're doing that. exactly. Just, comedy. But also greeting people at the door like one by one because that was our job at the resort we had to know everyone by name we had to know their kids name we had to know their sign we had to know what their favorite way their towels were pressed and it was kind of like that customer service aspect Mm -hmm. that i think we ended up integrating into the show to kind of always make people feel seen at the base of it but i don't think i would have ever gone there if i didn't take that step back for myself and be like who am I as a person, not Jenny's daughter taking care of her every day or driving this grandparent to the hospital or stuff like that. So like, mm-hmm. life does happen sometimes and it's okay to take a step back to like reflect and figure out what it is you want. So I think sometimes a break is Here's good. another question from his comics. Uh, how's Jenny doing? <laughs> Jenny? Jenny's killing it now. Jenny lives in Greece with dad. They're loving it. They, I miss them. Haven't seen them in a while, but she's now she's good. She's clean. COVID's over. We got her off of it, but she's just like living her best life in Greece dope, now. Dope, dope. It's very nice. Quite even like even you asking a sincere question sounded sarcastic. It was like amazing. Wow! How dare you? Yeah. <laughs> you get the laughs when you meant, cut, I meant but, it. Yeah. <laughs> I meant it, bro. Jenny, Jenny's Jenny's thriving. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what, what about you, Paul? I, I think it's like any relationship, you know, uh-huh. where you feel like the turmoil, the ups and downs, and you want to kind of just like, you have moments and thoughts of like stopping, but like, it was never enough to where I ever strongly considered quitting comedy, you know, like I also do acting and writing and directing. So those also keep me busy. And also it's like, I just want to create stuff and stand up. I can just leave the house, hit a mic and do art. So there's something about the immediacy of it that I don't think I can ever let go of because mm-hmm. it's so I yeah I just really never considered ever stopping like that you know like there's frustrations obviously and then there's moments where I'm like man am I like do I suck yeah should I do something else <laughs> I think that's what makes you an actual comic though if you've ever have those questions of yourself like, yeah which is normal and it's so like you're like I mean even the relationship that I'm in right now like sometimes we'll have the most amazing time together and then there's moments where you have down you're like this person annoys me so much and then you (laughs) love them again i feel that i I just think whatever works for you that makes you the best performer you can be is is what you need i've had times where i've gotten really down on myself like why am i not up five days a week like i'm not a real comedian but i'll have a great opportunity or the show i produce goes well but 
I don't know. I just feel like every comic kind of has that internal struggle sometimes of like self-worth or being like, is this, is this worth it? Especially in the first five years, you're like, what the fuck am I doing? And then you book something. But you just keep, like, oh, cool. Yeah, you just keep pushing. I've yeah. wondered that about you too. Is like, why is she not up five nights a week? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Even though I never met you. It's actually an intervention. Yeah, we're all yeah. here to say you guys. Thanks, get up guys. It's because I'm going to go see Jenny again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. And just two more here. The second one here is from Bobby Sutton. What is the best business advice you have gotten? about the comedy business or we all know the worst advice you've given ian but is there i'm, I'm terrible with business i need to get yeah. better with it to be honest like i i just dive too much into like writing and coming up with jokes and thinking that's gonna carry me and <laughs> yeah that, so you know just <laughs> yeah you you're like so, gave him such a real place yeah so uh, <laughs> yeah man just look at this as a it's not even my observation is like you just got to look at just like in anything whether it's just whatever you're doing just trying to get an outside overall perspective of the whole thing so that you can see what the business is doing see what you're doing see where you are in it and how you can expand in it the way you want mm -hmm. yeah. i actually have like somewhat of a business advice because I used to have an influencer marketing agency and I would work with brands like Under Armour, HelloFresh, like all these different brands. And I'd approach comedians who do skits and stuff on their page and say, hey, this brand would love to work with you. And they would go, I'm not an influencer, like really brush me off, you know? And I thought that was really silly because they'll say yes to a commercial that they didn't write, that an agency wrote, and then people will remember them as that character for the rest of their life, you know? Um, I think there's so much power in being able to approach brands and you be able to con like control the narrative and tell the story. And that's something I think that sometimes comedians judge in content creators or influencers, but that they get right. Because mm -hmm. in any creative business, at the end of the day, the money comes from advertising. So if you're like before, I listened to David Spade's uh, podcast and he was saying, you used to write on SNL to maybe one day book a commercial. Now the commercials are like, do you want to do a commercial? And people are like, I'm too cool for this, you know? But yeah. I think that if you're able to work with brands in a way that they align well with what you're trying to do and they're willing to let you control the narrative and the story, then that's a really good opportunity to kind of try to create for yourself. So nice. She's right. I've had bands, brands pay me not to talk about them. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly just for men was one. Yeah, yeah I, make, I make a lot of money. My roasts aren't hidden. I don't, I'm, every time no, I roast you, they take your side. It's not, it's not that they take, listen. Yeah, I'm just, <laughs> just keep the podcast going. I got to use the bathroom. <laughs> All right, you're good. Yeah, we're on the, the last question, but yeah, Paul, what's the best business advice? You got? Uh, someone, I mean, it's really good advice, actually. They said, um, uh, do you know what you're selling? Mm. And I was like, yeah, I'm a comedian. And they're like, like, that's it? I was like, yeah, I mean, I do acting, I do stand up, and I, uh, you know, uh, my parents are from Iraq, and I'm this, and, <laughs> and I'm basically like, and, I, and then it's like, oh, I didn't put any thought into this, you know? So I like put a lot of thought into what is it that I'm selling? What is, if someone goes to see Paul Aaliyah, what is it that they're going to watch? And it's like, if you want to know what it is that I'm selling, oh, check out my Instagram, check out my website. There's all the info right there. You got my bio. You can see the work that I've done. You're going to get an idea of the vibe that I create. You're going to get an idea of the ideas that I have and what I want to make and what I want to uh, do. So people now know exactly what they're buying when they buy a ticket. 
Mm-hmm. Whereas opposed to people who buy a ticket and they don't know what they're going to go see. They're like, oh, this show is called, uh, you know, whatever this uh, X, whatever the name of the show is. And it's like, oh, and I don't even know what to expect. It's like, is it traditional lineup? Is it this? Like, how does it work? Is there a website? There's no website for it. You know, so either all the tickets are only on Eventbrite. Is there like, how are they integrating this marketing? So, um, and I think a lot of it is what I learned from Arion. Like Arion really helped me identify what low key really is, you know, wow. like what, it, what the sort of vibe, like I, I needed someone to zoom out and mm-hmm. sort of like share that, you know, so she did and it gave me so much perspective. And you know, cause before me and Matt were like, we just want to be funny. We're just <laughs> yeah. being funny. We're just gonna go on stage and be like, hey, what's up? Right. And just do crowd work, you know, and that's the show. But it's like, I don't really have a whole lot of uh, business perspective, you know, but now I do. What did you figure out with low key? Like, what was, what did you kind of tweak to help? Um, I think it's, I mean, it's funny because one part was when I went to Eva's show, what I thought was interesting is that how warm and welcoming the space was, which low key was as well. But whenever you'd go to a comedy store or comedy bars in general, you walk in, the bouncer is like really mean and sit there and don't talk and you better buy two drinks. And it was very like, stressful you know and i when i loved about eva's shows it feels like i'm part of this i don't feel insignificant you know and and i was like okay is there a way that we can bring that so i think so and that starts from social media you can like start creating that so we'd like make sure because they have some diehard fans who've been going to all the shows so we'd start like messaging people individually i help them out also with creating ads creating brand identity and having that conversation of like wait, let's talk about what is special about Loki and what's unique about it and focus on it. Because in the beginning, they were focused a lot on how they blew up in the pandemic. And as an audience member myself, I was like, I'm so sick of hearing about the pandemic. I want to pretend it never happened. So yeah. like, I don't, don't brand your show about the pandemic. You know, I think you guys created something unique and it would have worked no matter what. Of course, it helped. But, you know, so then we're like, what is special about, it? oh, anybody can roll up. Anything can happen. And we kind of like worked on that all together. And yeah. and yeah, I think they had created it, but then from an outsider perspective, I kind of like was able to put it into words maybe. Yeah. Yeah, real raw off the cuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love it. Awesome. What about you? Yeah. Well, my first piece of advice if you're producing is don't quit your day job because, mm. well, no, like for, for real, like I got to a point where I was like, oh, I'm gonna, you know, I'm just going to do the kickback and put all my time into the kickback. But I would say that if you're just starting out or if you're just starting a show, you have to have like a, a job somewhere to help you carry yourself. And then everything that goes into your show is then put back into your show. Because for a while, like I was having to live off my show and it was the most stressful thing I've ever done. It made me feel terrible. Yeah, I felt like I couldn't pay people what I wanted to pay them because I had to survive. So I do think there's a lot of other factors that you can do to kind of alleviate the stress if you're like, if I'm talking about producing or whatnot, because I've found in my career that the times where I'm a little bit off or a little bit like not really present or my performances aren't the sharpest or my production of the show could have been better are the times where I'm like very financially stressed. So it's uh, it's that. And also just like, what's your ethos? You know, like what's who are like, that's what Isabel had asked me. Yeah. three years ago about the kickback when we were about to get on the festival and they weren't sure they're were like do maybe we want you maybe we don't and i sat down with her at a restaurant and she's like what's your ethos and i was like i should know it it's a greek word but i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> yeah. right now and she's like so you're what like you're just someone who goes and like shakes her like shakes your ass on stage and gets people all riled up for a comedy show and i'm like that and <laughs> 
but she was like, no, like who, who are you guys? Like if you could sum up your show or who you are in one sentence, like an elevator pitch, that for me has been the best advice. Like mm. we're a comedy party that merges house music and stand-up comedy together. That's it. And like that for me has kind of been a good, a good way to get started. And also having a brand kit is really important when you're approaching sponsors and stuff like that. Just having your documents ready at any point, if you are trying to build yourself or a show, like have your stats of your Instagram, be able to make anyone else's job who's looking for you easy by just having everything ready. I think that's what we learned in marketing and mm -hmm. pitching sponsors and stuff. It's like you have your documents with your bio, like sometimes people don't want to do that many clicks. So you can have a, you can have a link tree, you can have a website, you can have all these things available with 20 links on Instagram. But if you're like a producer or a booker or someone in business, you already have a million things on your plate and you want someone who's going to approach you to make your life easier, easier and come to you with like a, like a proper proposal. So that's coming from the production side for me, but that's been the best advice. Just be ready and be prepared and like have your documents in order to be able to send out whenever, whenever you need. Yeah, you're right. People are lazy, so do their work. No. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Man. But they are, though. They, people they are lazy. You can't expect someone to be looking for you. Mm -hmm. Nobody is looking for you. Nobody is scouring Montreal for a little brown girl who throws a comedy party. Absolutely no one. And I do think that's something people really need to get out of their system. And and it's okay if it's like an insecurity, but like I had to have that moment with myself. Like no one's looking for me. No one, no one's like, where's where's the next Mindy Kaling? Like, no one's looking for me. I have to put myself in front. I have to show them why this is important. And I have to show them why it's gonna make money. Mm -hmm. Most importantly. Hold up, are you Indian and Greek? What? Or just are you just Greek? I'm Greek and Brazilian, but people, oh. you know, put me in different categories. Mm. Racially ambiguous. But it's no one's looking for the next box for me to check. I have mm -hmm. to just be like, this is who I am. This is where I'm putting myself in front of. And yeah, that's how I feel. Well, I mean, and I, I can't thank y'all enough for even taking it taking your time to do this and take a chance to just come and sit here and talk about this. It I, was uh, it was hard, man. Okay. Yeah. Holding your pee that long, it was very difficult. To, I mean, it was a lot, I had a lot of shit to do. Yeah. Yeah. Arian had a convincing in English and in French. Yeah. <laughs> I a, you know, you know, so God bless her, <laughs> you know. But yeah, I really do. I mean, I value comedians and all the work and sacrifice that goes into it, being a mm -hmm. comedian, but then also interviewing so many. And anytime I ask, especially something like this, coordinating so many schedules, I'm, mm -hmm. I really want to start leveling up this show and doing something special and really making a bigger impact on comedy beyond mm -hmm. just like one-on-one -on -one interviews and learning comedy, but really like becoming more of a tastemaker in the industry. So I appreciate you guys really taking the time oh, to thanks for having us today. And if you guys want to promote what you have coming up or your shows and things that we can just end with that. Well, we're going to be in Vancouver, November 3rd for the kickback and we're nice. going to start our tour. So you guys can stay tuned for that. Beautiful. Where they follow that uh, on a uh, kickback.montreal on Instagram. Perfect. Cool. Yeah. I got a uh, October 3rd at the comedy store in LA. I'm running Detroit player and then Miami, on october 5th and 6th and then 13th and 14th of october detroit house of comedy gonna film the special so if you're in the detroit area or just just fly mm -hmm. just fly detroit <laughs> come through where they follow you at paula lea comedy e-l-i-a i forgot most important part. Yeah. It's <laughs> about branding. He's like, what? Yeah, yeah. And they're like, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I did. Right? <laughs> Uh, follow me, Ariane Tonka. I post my running times on Instagram. People <laughs> nice. are really into it. 
Show off. Yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect. Uh, follow me on Instagram, and it's probably the same on Twitter and on uh, what's the other thing that threads at Ian Edwards comic, and you see all my I can't comedy clips you. and dates. So just whatever on social media, just follow me there. I'm on YouTube too, but beautiful shit leads to shit. You go to Instagram, it'll take you to everywhere. Perfect. Yeah, and and this show is available on YouTube and all your favorite podcast apps. So go subscribe to the YouTube channel. Tell your favorite comedy friends about Hot Breath. And uh, thank y'all for being on the show. Thank you. Grab so us. Yay, that's so fun. Yeah. Hot Breath. This episode of Hot Breath is sponsored by our Patreon. If any of our content has helped your comedy career, join our Patreon linked in the show notes and get positive comedy karma for life. Probably.